Well, we've been in a series called Neighboring, Loving Your Neighbor as Yourself. Uh, in week one, we talked about loving people who are different than us and, uh, and how we uh, are called to love uh, everybody, right? And, and I mean that, everybody. And, uh, and then week two, we talked about loving those who are lonely. Last week, we talked about uh, what it is to, uh, or why we don't step out uh, in loving our neighbors, and a lot of that's uh, birthed out of fear. Uh, and so we talked about overcoming the fear of loving our neighbor as ourselves last week. Uh, and this week, we're actually talking about loving our literal neighbor, like, like the people that live next to you, uh, the people that are in your life, the, your family. Like These are the people that are your uh, literal proximity neighbors. And, uh, and so as I was processing through this series months and months ago, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, or, or I had the, the privilege to hear my wife tell me that she took Marley, our, our youngest, to the park. And while she was there uh, playing with Marley, she was on the swing, she saw uh, our very own children's director, uh, Julie Davis, at the park with a bunch of girls. And, and they were doing a Bible study there. And Kelly was like, what are you doing? And, and she's like, oh, this is my, my regular Bible study. And we had no idea that this was something she does. She's going to talk more about that. But I thought, who better to talk about your literal neighbors and to share with us what it means to love our neighbor as ourself uh, than our very own uh, I'm going to say uh, Pastor Julie Davis because she would say she's not a pastor, but when you see her with your children, when, when you talk to her, uh, she has as much of a pastor's heart and she doesn't need a license to tell anybody that. Pastor Julie Davis, warm round of applause. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, let me just start off by telling you that it is an honor and a privilege to be with you guys this morning. I am somewhat petrified, um, but it is an honor nonetheless. I'd like to share with you how all of this kind of came to be, because um, it's somewhat funny. A few months ago, like Pastor Ryan said, uh, he called me into his office, and I thought it was just going to be one of those meetings where, you know, we were just going to catch up. He was going to see how I was doing, you know, with the kids' ministry and everything. But uh, as soon as I walked into his office and sat down, he hit me with, so, in the fall, I am going to be doing a series on neighboring, and I'd like you to take one of the Sundays. <laughs> Did I just hear what I thought I just heard? Um, and so, for those of you who know me, uh, you'll laugh when I tell you I was speechless. I absolutely had <laughs> no words. I didn't know what to say. So what seemed like an eternity, I finally got out. Um, uh, <laughs> and so Pastor Ryan had mercy on me, and he said, uh, don't answer me today. Just think about it and pray about it and just let me know. Well, for any of you who have ever been asked to do something that you're afraid of, all of those negative thoughts started coming to my head. And for me, with this particular thing, it was, well, Julie, who do you think you are to get up on a Sunday morning? You're not a pastor. You haven't been to Bible college. You're not a theologian. But you know what? I did pray about it because I told Pastor Ryan I would. So I prayed about it. And all of those verses that he's put in my heart over the years, all of those verses that we teach your babies down the hallway, things like, do not be afraid or discouraged. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I had to decide, am I just going to talk the talk down the hallway or am I going to walk the walk, right? And then 
he said, Julie, it's not a step of faith if you have all the answers. So here I am, and I'm going to share with you guys today what's on my heart about neighboring, because I have to say neighboring is one of my favorite subjects. I absolutely love it. And we've all learned, we all know, that everybody is our neighbor. From China to Chile, from Alabama to Alaska, everybody is our neighbor. But I would like to take this morning and just dial it down a little bit, kind of shrink it. And we're going to talk about what it means to neighbor the people in our neighborhood. The ones we see every week, every day, could be a parent at the school where your child goes or on the sports team. Um, For those of you who go to school, it could be your classmates, could be your hairdresser, and it could be the person who literally lives right next door to you those neighbors. But, you know, sometimes it's a little scary when you're actually neighboring people who know your name, right? Sometimes it's a lot easier to neighbor a stranger. But it's not as difficult as it seems. We're going to take a look at Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. As we have opportunity... There are opportunities to do good around us every day. Sometimes, though, we just overthink it. We get caught up in our head, all of the what-ifs, the fear, the insecurity. But Pastor Ryan talked to us last week not to let that stop us, right? We just overthink it. But let's remember, this verse, it says, do good. Love is an action. So let's do something without that fear of rejection or insecurity, The world needs more good, more kindness. I think we can all agree on that. And look, this verse, it's a call to action. It says, do good as we have the opportunity. It's around us every day. Sometimes we overthink it, but you know what? Sometimes we just don't think about it at all. We get up. We do the same old, same old every day. Get up, have breakfast, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, repeat. We don't give it any thought to those people that come across our paths, that God puts in our paths, the good that we could do in his name. But let's really give it some genuine thought. Who do we know that could use a friend? Who do we know, who do we come across that we could minister to in some form or fashion? How can we do good to someone we know from our very own neighborhood? I think we should pray about this because I'm telling you, God has someone in mind for you to neighbor. He does. A few weeks ago, I went out to lunch with a friend of mine, and we went to her new favorite restaurant. It is a uh, noodle place where they make their own noodles. It was really good. Um, And as we sat there with our faux noodle bowls and our dumplings, she told me her story. When she was a little girl... She and her family and her siblings were refugees from Vietnam, and they ended up in a refugee camp in China where they stayed for eight years. Well, while they were in that refugee camp, some Christian missionaries would come from time to time and give them clothes, toys, candy. The missionaries would teach the kids songs about Jesus. And my friend will tell you that these missionaries were her first introduction to a personal God who knew her by name and loved her. Those missionaries were Jesus to her. Well, 
After the eight years, they were finally able to come to the U.S., and they landed in Los Angeles where her uncle was. And as God would have it, he had neighbors already for her because right up the road were a pastor and his wife. And they, as good neighbors do, knew that there was a new family on the block, and they wrapped their arms around that family. They invited the kids up to their house. They invited them into their lives, into their home, into their kitchen, into their church family, and ultimately, they invited my friend into a relationship with Jesus. Well, that friend of mine, she's one of our Sunday school teachers down the, down the hallway, has been for years. She and her husband are both Sunday school teachers. They have four beautiful boys, and that family is a blessing to our church family. That same Jesus that she learned about as a little girl from her neighbor, she is now sharing with our kids down the hallway. I am telling you, neighboring, when it is done in the name of Jesus, has eternal consequences. Never doubt that. My family and I moved here to Texas a little over three years ago, and it was right before my little one started kindergarten. And she wanted to be in a girls' group. Well, I said, how about if we start one of our own? We could meet once a month at our house. We could learn about Jesus, have some snacks, play some games, do some crafts. And she said, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, you know what? For her, it was going to be for fun. But for me, it was purposeful. My husband and I have three kids. They all go to public school. And one of my prayer for them is that they have friendships where Jesus is included. They spend a lot of time at school. Because I don't need to tell you guys, but it is the wild west out there sometimes, right? All of us, everybody in this room, we all need friendships where Jesus is included. We need people to build us up and encourage us. We need people to remind us who we are, and we also need friends who, are, who will remind us who we are not. Well, as I got to know some of the moms at kindergarten, I very sheepishly would ask them, um... I'm doing this girls group where we learn about Jesus and play some games. We're going to meet once a month. Do you think your daughter would like to participate? And do you know what? Every person I asked said yes. The first month, we had 10 girls. Girls on the way had begun. It was fun. And you know what? We're now in our fourth year. Love it. I love those girls. They are absolutely precious. But I will tell you, it's, it takes effort. There are times when I would rather cancel. The house is a mess. I'm exhausted from the week. There's, there are too many things on the calendar. But I don't cancel because of one little girl. Most of the girls in the group, they have a church family, but not her. Girls on the Way is her church family. She never misses a meeting. She comes every month. She listens, loves to listen. She is learning how to look up God's word, and she is putting his word into her heart. That somewhat shy, reserved little girl, every time she sees me at the school, she runs up to me as fast as she can with the, this big smile, and she gives me just this big, huge hug. I love those girls. And you know what? They are becoming Lauren's friends. 
They're her friends, but they're my neighbors, and I love them. And you know what? Every month after they leave, it's worth it. You know, being a good neighbor is all over the Bible. Boaz was a good neighbor to Ruth. Priscilla and Aquila were good neighbors to Paul. But my favorite story is actually, Pastor Ryan and I, we share this favorite story. It's about the four friends with the paralytic friend who, you know, you've all heard it. He loves to preach on it. Well, I do too. I love it. Um, But if you know the story, the four friends take their paralyzed friend to an overcrowded house. They're trying to get their friend to Jesus, but they can't get in. But I like to look at that story from the perspective of the homeowner. (laughs) Think about it. I imagine it going something like this the day before. So, Joe, you've heard about this guy, Jesus, who's going around the area. You know, he's healing people. Yeah, I've heard of him. What about him? Well, he's coming to town tomorrow, and we need a place to meet. And I was thinking that maybe we could use your house. Oh, sure, no problem. I'll put out some food and drinks. It'll be fine. Y'all just come on in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right? Anybody ever volunteered to host a life group? (laughs) It starts off easy, but it's worth it. Um, So as the people start coming in, they hear Jesus is in town. They keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. They're hanging out the windows. They're crowded around the door. They're probably sitting sitting or standing on top of the tables. If there were rafters, they were probably hanging from the rafters. And then there's the homeowner. Could you imagine? And then, okay, wait a minute. Then your roof. There are people digging a hole in your roof. Now, this was before homeowner's insurance. He was going to have to fix that. I know that's what he was thinking. So they're digging through his roof. He's got a man being lowered through the roof. He did not realize that he would literally be opening up his home to the neighborhood, right? But he did. He did. But you know what? If we could talk to that guy today. I'll bet he would look at us and say, don't worry about any of that. I got a front row seat to a miracle of Jesus. The Son of God was in my home. It was worth it. Remember that every single time. Neighboring to bring glory to God is worth it. But you know what? I'd like to go a little bit further with this idea of neighboring and shrink it down a little bit more. And let's talk about neighboring to our church family because the rest of Galatians 6.10 says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I would like to point out, this does not say exclusively, okay? It says especially, But why does it say that? Why does it say especially to the family of believers? And it's because Jesus himself knew that the world would look at us and form an opinion about him. In John 13, 35, these are the words of Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because of my accent, some of you may be wondering where I'm from, and you'd be right, I'm from Boston. Yeah, totally kidding. 
Um, I grew up in a small, sweet church in Biloxi, Mississippi. And for those of you who were raised in the deep south in the church, what is our language of love? Food. Ah, you guys got it. We've got some deep south people back there. Yes, food is our love language. My people, we have a dessert or a casserole for every occasion. Had a baby? Oh, honey, we're going to bring you a meal. Your grandmother passed away? I am so sorry, but you know what? I'm going to get the team together. We will have so much food up at your house, we'll just put it on the counter. You don't have to worry about a thing. You're having surgery? Well, when are you getting out of the hospital? Because I'll make sure to have dinner ready for you, right? I remember to this day the taste of Miss Furness's fried chicken that she would bring to the dinner on the grounds every fifth Sunday. I can remember and look for my grandmother's potato salad every time from the table that reached from there all the way over the day, all the way over the day to there. My Aunt Kitty's yum yum cake. Oh my gosh, I would look for it every time. I can just I can just taste the love. Because for us Southern Jesus followers, Jesus plus food does equal love. It does. <laughs> but you know what? In all serious, in all seriousness, though, those little acts of service we do for each other show that we care. I grew up knowing that when a hurricane hit, my church family would be there to with chainsaws and rakes. They would help get our pine trees up. They would help us get our yard back together, and then we were off going to somebody else's house to do the same thing. This very moment, we have a sweet couple in our church who have never been parents before, but they're now fostering a two-year-old little girl and a newborn baby boy. Our family is circling the wagons around them. We are finding toys, food, baby equipment, clothes, anything that those babies would need, we're trying to get it to them. Prayer, encouragement, babysitting. We are in the process, present tense. We are loving our people in the name of Jesus. You know, there are so many examples in the Bible of good neighboring. But we need look no further than the Apostle Paul. In many of Paul's letters... He thanks the various churches for their hospitality, for their gifts, their encouragement, for sending people to him. But I love the book of Philippians because he writes it while he's in prison. He's chained up. But he writes this letter back to the Philippian church to say, thank you for neighboring me. Thank you for your gifts of, of support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for sending me Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a man from the church in Philippi that they sent to Paul to be with him while he was in jail, right? Loving the lonely. So what I love the most about the book of Philippians is that Paul is neighboring and encouraging the church in Philippi while they are at the same time neighboring him. It's really sweet when you think about it. But the apostle Paul Scholarly, hard-charging, intellectual Paul, he knew how much we would need each other as believers. The world will know us by the love we have for each other. But you know, we're going to dig deeper, 
and a lot more personally, so everybody buckle up. We're going to be talking about neighboring our immediate family because we cannot forget that they are our neighbors too. And so far, I've been talking a lot about loving by doing, but there is another way that we can love our immediate circle. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it reminds us to prefer other people. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I learned a lesson a couple of months ago that I'd like to share with you. My husband, Tim, and I, we have a really sweet morning routine that we do with our little one. Tim sets the alarm. He gets up. He goes and gets our daughter. Together, hand in hand, they go down the stairs to the kitchen where he fixes her breakfast, and they chat while the coffee is brewing. And then she runs up the stairs into my room for a little time to snuggle before she has to get up and get dressed and go to school. Well, we did not do that routine this summer. We were all sleeping in and loving every minute of it. But uh, August rolls around, and it's time to start school. So the very first day of school, we start the routine up again. Tim sets the alarm, gets up, goes and gets Lauren. They go down the stairs. She eats breakfast. And then I hear it. She's running up the stairs, runs into our room, busts open the door and says, it's cuddle time. And then I hear, Alexa, set an alarm for 6.30 a.m. <laughs> because she didn't want to miss the bus. <laughs> so she hops in the bed with me, and there we are side by side. I've wrapped her up. She's got her little head right here. And that's when she exhales and whispers almost to herself, she says, I've missed this. Now, what I say next, I don't want you to miss it. I love all three of my kids with the deepest, strongest mother love. I think all of us mom and daddies in the room know this. But in that moment, in that sweet little whisper, is when I realized her deep need to love me. The responsibility of it. She needed me to just be there, to not pull away, to not worry about the time. She just wanted to love me. And the best thing I could do for her was to let her. Everybody in this room, each and every one of us, we all have a deep need to be loved, to be known, and to love in return. And the best example I have ever seen of this can be found in, of course, Jesus. It's in Matthew 26. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, 
Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, I've heard this passage preached on many times, and it's usually from the perspective of the disciples and what was in their heart at the time, and it wasn't pretty. Or sometimes it's from the symbolism of the perfume and what it meant that she did that just a few days before Jesus went to the cross. But never before until recently had I looked at it from the perspective of the woman. Her sole goal, purpose that day was to get to Jesus and to love him. She had a gift that she thought he might like. She brought it to him because she needed to show how much she loved him. And then we see Jesus' response. You know, the disciples had a point, right? He could have sided with them because the perfume was expensive. She could have sold it for money. She could have fed a lot of poor with it. Or he could have shooed her away because he's Jesus. He's got a lot to do, right? He didn't have time to sit there. But with Jesus, and I want you to hear me, with Jesus, it is always about the relationship. Always. It is personal with him. He knew what she needed that day was to get to him and to love him. He accepted her gift, and he accepted her. And he is telling each and every one of us today the exact same thing. Come to me. Bring me what you have. I will accept you as you are. You are precious to me. But for those of us who know and love Jesus, what does that mean? What can we do with that? Well, Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit who is making us more and more like Jesus every day. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? Well, let's model Jesus. Let's look at how he treated this woman, and let's do what he did. Let's make time for those closest to us. Your immediate loved ones need to love you as much as you need to love them. You're a parent, a wife, a husband, a child, a sibling. There are people in your life who need you to accept their gifts of love. And you know, it might not seem like much, but if you've got little boys, let them wrestle you to the ground. (laughs) That's what they want to do, right? If you have a little girl, her interests could range from here to there. She may ask you to go kick the soccer ball with her. Go. Do it for her. She just wants to spend time with you. If she likes to play dress up, play dress up. Husbands, be a soft place for your wife. It's tough out there. Wives, your husbands do little acts of thoughtfulness for you every day. We may not notice it. I'm guilty. But they do them. Notice them. They need you to notice Teenagers, I'm going to talk to you for a second. We've got some teenagers in the room. You're going to be gone soon, off to college, off to work. When your parents ask you to do something with them, just go do it. (laughs) 
all they want to do is spend time with you, right? They want to love you, so let them. Some of us, me included, I need to lighten up, soften up, relax. I need to unplug, turn off Netflix. Anybody? Yeah? Take notice. Let's all pray about how we can value the other people in our immediate family over ourselves. And then show we can show our love in return. Love those people he has put in your path. Neighbors are all around you every day. Let's do good things for them, to them, with them. Neighboring in the name of Jesus is worth the cost every single time. Let's pray.